This is Scripture Read Badly. A podcast where two grown-up pastor's kids discuss the stories of the Bible in chronological order. Attempting to avoid heresy and generally having a good time. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Ryan. Sit back and rejoice. Uh, Today's verse comes from Leviticus 20 verse 15. If a man lies with an animal, he must be put to death. You are also to kill the animals. So we have to kill all of our teddy bears and throw them out. And then everyone else gets killed. Whoa, that's too much death. Um, This is Scripture Read Badly and I'm Jeremy. (laughs) My name is Ryan. Welcome to the show. Today we are finishing up talking about Joseph and... Consequently, finishing up Genesis, wrapping up the whole and book And his today. Technicolor dream coat. Um, hopefully. Yes, his Technicolor dream coat too. Um, I, I, I actually played in the orchestra pit of a high school uh, rendition of that a few years ago. And by a few years, I mean, crikey, that's five years ago? Five years ago, I, I played Guitar 2. Wow, Guitar 2 is a good um, place to be. I played the brother Dan, I think, in year 5. So that was 20 years ago. What? So 20 years ago, (laughs) I was in Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Good times. Well, uh, five years ago, I got to play... During the uh, the Western song, um, and uh, which one is the Western uh, song? It's the one where she pretends to have the harmonica. Okay, I don't remember that one. My yeah. my memory is failing me. It was twenty years ago. <laughs> anyway, so I fair enough. I prepared for today's podcast by sitting in a public library in the city, next to some people doing certain things that I didn't think were appropriate for public libraries. It was very Whoa, odd. That, uh, all right. Uh, like you know when you can, get on, you, <laughs> I think it's buses. I feel so uncomfortable. And they tell you not to eat hot food on the bus because the smell will permeate and make everyone feel crook. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm in a public library, and next to me is a lady eating like the most noxious fish food ever. And I was like, oh, why are you eating in this public library? And then the other side of me was a guy who had one of those, like, sniffles and coughs that he just didn't want to deal with, like he didn't want to take medicine for. So for two hours or whatever, it was just this constant, (coughs) but not like a proper cough. And then he was eating, like, four or five rolls of fruit tingles. And, like, every so often he'd finish... (laughs) with a book and like throw it across the desk and then he just dragged a bin next to him so he I think he could blow his nose and then put it in directly instead of having to go back and forth and I was just like who are these people in this public library it was so odd anyway how did you prepare uh, okay well I prepared for this episode by uh, doing an entire day's work and yep. getting prepared to uh, go on our annual retreat. So for those of you listening that know YWAM Newcastle and know that the retreat happens in October, you'll know how far ago we recorded this. Um, 
And uh, I almost prepared for this episode by eating one of said noxious fish dishes. Because I have in front of me an unopened uh, box of tuna and rice that I could eat in the microwave if I wanted to. Um, But I decided against it for the sake of everyone else that it may permeate everyone's uh, headphones and make them feel nauseous. Nauseous. You're welcome. Thank you. You are welcome. Uh, But yes, we um, we are talking about Joseph today. But before we talk about Joseph, as you remember, we left him uh, in the hands of these Ishmaelite slave traders, and they sold him to Potiphar in the land of Egypt. And then we uh, we come back in Genesis chapter 38 to a story about a man named Judah. Um, it's interesting how Judah does all this weird stuff. He doesn't seem to be a very nice dude. Yeah, nope. his tribe is the one that God chooses David and then Jesus to come through. Yeah. What do you what do you think so about that? Why doesn't God use Joseph? Um I don't know. Then maybe it's the future behavior of the actual tribe and not the man it was named after. Hmm. I don't remember that far ahead. But maybe we'll figure that out when we get there. But Judah in here, it starts off with he left his brothers. And I don't know if that's heaps um, important, just that word. But they're a tribe, so usually they would settle together, right? But this guy seems to, like, Mm -hmm. split himself away from them to settle Mm -hmm. somewhere else. And so maybe that is significant for the later times, like... He didn't want what they were doing, and then he split off. But then when he does split off, he just behaves he like does, a re- Yeah, he does not, weird stuff. He behaves like a disrespectful person. Yes. And if you remember the defiling of Dinah from last episode, um, Dinah did a similar thing. It said that she she left uh, the family to go meet with the, the Canaanite women. Oh, yeah, and then... Sometimes in Bible character stories, you can look at their children to see how the parent was almost. And that's not always a hard and fast Hmm. truth thing. But when you look at David's children, you have the wisest person ever, as well as this other guy who tried to steal the kingship by deceiving people. And you wonder, like, where the disconnect of their belonging in the family comes from. And so you wonder if Judah, because his children seem to be pretty terrible, that God actually puts some of them to death. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it was... um, Sorry. No, go. (laughs) This Skype is incredible. And for those of you that remember the last episode and how bad the we said the Skype delay was, well, this this one is very similar, and there's a reason for that. It is because we're recording the episodes back to back. But <laughs> it's possible that God had already chosen Judah as the promised line yeah. of Jacob um, at that stage. So in order to preserve the line, he knew that he could... Uh, he could redeem Perez and his brother. Um, 
but with the first couple guys with Ur and Onan maybe it was that they were so wicked that if they stayed alive um, well first of all Perez wouldn't have been born and Perez was yep. the, the line through which David came um, so then maybe uh, I don't know God's outside of time and he knows way more than than we do um, and it I'm I'm taking the view of kind of like a back to the future thing maybe if Ur and Onan didn't get killed by God then maybe David would never have existed so I'm, I'm just picturing yeah, David in the Bible just be... kind of becoming transparent and being able to see through his hand while Johnny B. Good is playing in the background <laughs> but it also could be um, connected with the same idea as um, Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts like some people would say mm. that their act of deceiving the apostles and keeping some money for themselves would have sent like echo waves into the future of the church and like give it a bad name as like a deceptive community mm. and so this thing that Onan did like this was part of God's plan for um, family lines to keep going and to flourish and to yeah oh, what's that word I'm looking for um, anyway whatever um, and Onan is trying to break that plan by not um, sleeping with his brother's wife and making sure that there was an offspring and so maybe God yeah, yeah. is doing a similar thing like no you're not going to stuff around with this part of my plan I'm just going to take you out but then mm-hmm. also God loves life and is all about life so there must have been something in this whole family that he was like, no, nah, I can't stand this person staying alive. Yeah, it must have been so toxic that it would have compromised the future, uh, I guess, uh, compatibility with God's plan. Yep. Okay. All right, so with that in mind, Judy gets married to a Canaanite woman. She bears him three sons. Uh, the first name is Ur, and when he was of age, Judah got him a wife. Now, it's interesting to note that this all happens... Um, there's probably some overlap between this and chapter 37 when Joseph was 17 and um, he went off to, to check in on his brothers up north. Um, there's probably some overlap here. So Judah... I don't know... Maybe there isn't. Maybe right after that whole thing with selling Joseph, he went off and married a Canaanite woman. Either way, I'm talking in circles and getting confusing. Um, This whole thing uh, seems to take a certain number of years and it's kind of inserted right in the middle here, kind of like Cain's genealogy was way back in the beginning of Genesis. It happened before Seth's genealogy, which is the one that we actually followed towards Noah. Um, so it's wanting to just get this story out of the way and it probably overlaps. Um, but uh, I don't know. So, uh, it says that when Ur was of age, and so I'm thinking, I don't know what age they have a bar mitzvah, but probably 15 or, or older, wouldn't he? 75. Um, he's, he's probably 15, maybe let's say. 
Yep. So he got a wife, and uh, it seems as though Joseph is with Potiphar at this time. Uh, Ur gets killed by God uh, for being unrighteous, for being wicked, which is interesting. Evil then Onan, in the Lord's the, sight. Yep. Um, Onan, the secondborn, um, he ends up getting killed as well after wasting his sexual encounters with Tamar, which was Ur's wife. Yeah, okay. Um, when you were growing up, was yeah. this the Bible verse yeah. the people used to say that you shouldn't masturbate? Uh, I don't know if anybody ever used the Bible verse to, to say that, but I guess that would, I guess that makes sense in a kind of a fundamentalist kind of way. In a really weird way, like, yeah, this one guy yeah. didn't put his seed in a woman and therefore you shouldn't masturbate. The Bible says yeah, and so. He and we're all just like, God, what? So therefore, yeah. Therefore, if a guy masturbates, he deserves to be killed by God. Yeah, maybe that's that's probably that's the that's the line of reasoning. That's weird. Super weird. Yeah, but but then again, one could argue that things were more extreme back then, and people were killed for less things. Um, but I don't know. Leviticus and other books have a whole list of things that people should be put to death for yeah. doing things like sleeping with a teddy bear um, but that's yeah it's it's a different kind of thing different kind <laughs> of teddy um, different kind of sleeping but <laughs> different yeah, kind of sleeping this is this is definitely one of those verses that um, was when people would especially non-Christian friends at, at Christian schools that I went to when they would try and find the grossest Bible verse to creep people out with, they would always go to this one where it says, Onan wasted his semen when he was sleeping with Tamar so that the kids wouldn't be his. And it was it was just one of those a teenage boy, the Bible's dumb, look at this, <laughs> type of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's just one of those things. Sorry to be talking about this so long, listeners. Um, <clears throat> no, that's uh, what they came to hear about. Yeah, that's right. Joseph, part two. But also, we're going to spend a long time talking about Onan and his sexual <laughs> behaviors. Um, okay, so then Judah ends up sleeping with his daughter-in-law because he says to Tamar, once Onan gets killed, when my other son, Shua, is old enough, um, I'll let him marry you and then you guaranteed a husband and then uh, whatever. Um, so then she goes back to her father's house and then when Shua is of age, which is maybe seven years later, maybe eight years, I don't know. I, I'm not a biblical genealogist. Um, Tamar sees that Shua is not given to her in marriage or she is not given to Shua. So she gets upset and disguises herself as a prostitute uh, when Judah is, is going somewhere. And so then he thinks she's a prostitute and he sleeps with her. But as payment, he gives her his signet ring, his, what, his sash or his belt or something, and his staff as a pledge that he will pay her a goat, whatever it is that he ends up pledging to pay her. And then Tamar falls pregnant by this, this, one, uh, this one night 
and um, Judah finds out about it and she is disgraced in his eyes until she reveals that it was his child and then he is humiliated and she bears twins and I have a side note here and that is this family and twins far out the the twin gene is <laughs> the twins are strong with this one um, lots of twins in this line so many Hello? twins okay <laughs> for a second I thought you were just gone no 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 okay oh. but just rewind a second um, it's weird to yeah. me that this guy is going to a prostitute on credit like he doesn't have a payment goes and sleeps with this woman and mm. is like oh I don't have any cash so I'm just gonna have to <laughs> send you a goat later yeah, yeah, he just gives her an IOU. Yeah, and just walks out, and you're like, what is this guy on? And how, I think he probably was drunk, or just didn't know mm-hmm. her at all, or she was wearing some weird Halloween yeah. mask, because it just doesn't make sense oh, to me okay. that... She, she was wearing a veil. She was wearing a veil, but then also, you have to consider this is six, seven years later... However long it was until Shua was old enough. So she's probably changed in her appearance somewhat since she was a teenager. Um, Which is probably why she makes a more convincing prostitute on the way to this temple. Whatever it is. It's just... And I should have done more research too on prostitution back then. Because this guy is just (laughs) terrible. It could be that a normal prostitute would not allow that, but because she yeah. was there incognito and had a, a sinister purpose behind it, that she allowed it to happen. And she she may have even known that he wouldn't have any currency with him when he was making that journey, and that was why she did it. Yeah. In order to humiliate him later. But she's also taking her what's her rights into her own hands. Like, she Mm -hmm. does get a descendant from the line that she was supposed to get one from. So, I wonder if God celebrated her actions, even though they're, like, Hmm. through prostitution. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. That that could be the case. Uh, Regardless, we need to get on to to Joseph. Um, What? Who's that? It's been a... (laughs) <laughs> this has been a little uh, side quest with uh, with Judah, and he ends up getting a couple sons out of it. Uh, the twins. Um, it's it's the story with the first twin puts the hand out of the womb, and then the scarlet thread is tied around it. Then it goes back in. The other one comes out first, so it's like the deceptive thing. This one was going to be first, but it was actually the other one. Um, so then. The kid's name is Perez, through which the line of David comes, and that's kind of where we leave chapter 38. Um, Sounds very Hispanic, I think. Um, Okay, then we move into chapter 39, the the, uh, account of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. And we remember that Potiphar is the head of the guard? Yes, he is the captain of the guard. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, just jumping ahead 
if this actually happened, it would have been a huge scandal. Huge. All of Egypt would have known about it. Um, huge That scandal. was just something I thought about just then. Um, so Joseph yep. had become more successful in, uh, in everything that he did than anybody else, seemingly. And so then he was put in charge of everything that Potiphar owned. And the only thing Potiphar had to worry about was what he wanted to eat. That's crazy. Mm. He was the captain of the flipping guard and one of the most important people in Egypt. And Joseph just does everything for him. And this is yep. seemingly as a 17 or 18 year old when he's gaining acclaim. And then uh, in a few years later, he's put in charge of everything. Potiphar recognizes that just like Laban had been blessed by Jacob's presence, Potiphar was blessed by Joseph's. And uh, and he, instead of what Laban did, which is to try and claim that blessing, he acknowledged it and appointed Joseph with even more than than he already had, which I think was a really cool way to show that um, somebody that was even even a pagan, somebody that was not part of the chosen people of Israel, um, yep. could still honor the people of Israel better than they could honor themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so then Joseph is described as handsome in form and appearance, like his mother, Rachel. Um, and Potiphar's wife then in verses seven through 10 attempts to seduce Joseph, but he yeah. refuses. Um, was she just looking for trouble was she? Uh, it, it seems to imply that she was attracted to him, obviously. But yeah. do you think she was just looking for some kind of scandalous affair on the side that her marriage with Potiphar had grown cold, or was she trying to incriminate him? Because uh, she's pretty quick to to incriminate him uh, yeah. when, when he keeps on refusing. So maybe that wouldn't have been out of the question if he had gone through with it. Yeah. But I think all of those things you said could have been, like he was a very mm-hmm. high, highly powerful individual, so he it is quite possible that he was a workaholic and he was never at home. But then she's yeah. also yeah. a powerful woman, and maybe not on her own right. Maybe she just married into power, <clears throat> and so mm-hmm. who's to say what her lifestyle is like? Because if she had had kids. She probably had enough slaves that she didn't really need to raise them. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like she is a great lady. Mm-hmm. She could have just been really bored. Yeah. And wanted some excitement. Yep. Okay. Um, so then she tries to force him to sleep with her. And she grabs him by his garment while he's working. But Joseph escapes. Yeah, yeah, and it says that he leaves his garment in her hand. Was it was it a bathrobe? Was it just a shirt? Maybe he was shirtless when he ran out of there? Was it his pants? Was it a loincloth that she took from no, him? No, probably because snap I'd... pants. Yes. <laughs> just like, come back here, yes. oh, snap pants. <laughs> or some of those ones that unzip below the knee. Yep. Ooh. So she, she grabs him by the... Uh, the uh, the ankle part of the trousers and then he just unzips his legs and steps out. 
That'd be the worst. See this? He tried to seduce me. These are his ankle... Whatever. These are the lower parts of his pants. Oh, man. Um, I... I don't know. I've seen it... Um, I think in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, he is wearing a robe and she takes the robe off him and he's left in just a, a loincloth or a, a nappy or something. Um, a classic <laughs> Egyptian nappy. A classic Egyptian nappy. Maybe it was made of sackcloth and he was actually mirroring his father in his father's grief. I don't know. What was he grieving? Uh, he was grieving Joseph's loss, but then this is this is years later. Um, <clears throat> Fair enough. Okay, so we don't know how he escaped... Uh, or, or rather what he was wearing when he escaped whether he was still wearing undies or he was wearing nothing at all either way she frames Joseph and tells all the servants spreading this rumour, this scandal um, and then she just lies there with his garment in her hand or next to her until Potiphar comes home then Potiphar is furious understandably so yet even though Joseph was so good for him and looked after everything perfectly and never had a misstep in his entire time working for him. He seems to be very quick to presume Joseph's guilt in this. And I wonder if he had to. Mm, to save face. Like, what is he going to be like? You're lying, wife. I'm going to take the side of the slave. Yeah, true. The, the Hebrew slave, no less. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it could have been that he was jealous of Joseph, or he could have been saving face, or he could have... I don't know, maybe he genuinely believed her. Um, I don't know. So Okay, so I said jealous because, like I said earlier, he could have... Maybe his marriage was, it was a cold marriage, and they hadn't seen a lot of excitement, or, or something like that. It, it wasn't a very fun union um, so maybe it was that he was jealous that Joseph could could turn his wife on yeah somewhat I don't know True. I don't know but then Potiphar throws him into the king's prison or rather his prison whichever one the king's prisoners go to um, and then this ends up leading to future acclaim for Joseph what if he'd been thrown into a civilian prison instead uh, there could have still been a, a plot twist, as it were, to get yeah, him back into a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even when he was in prison, they saw his leadership potential, so he's still in authority in the prison for some reason. So he yeah. seems to be able to woo everyone really well. Mm-hmm. Or God magically did it. Yeah. Yeah, this is... Uh, it, it's interesting because this is the second time that we see uh, that the Lord is with Joseph and it says he showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Um, I wonder if... So we've, we've already seen that Joseph was potentially a bit of a goody two-shoes and was a, he, was, he dobbed on his brothers um, for being bad people or yep. something like that. I wonder if... Uh, it seems as though God legitimately saw him as righteous, um, despite maybe his uh, his footy two shoesness. Yeah, yeah, maybe 
um, him being. I'm looking for a word, and it's a, it's a silly little word. Um, it's about. Is it lamb? Despite no, <laughs> maybe despite his immaturities. Oh yeah, is, is what I was trying to say. Um, Would do you think he's so, immature or naive? It could have been that he was just naive. Okay. Or he could have he could have been retaliating uh, towards his brothers because of how much he was already the favorite. So maybe out of defensiveness, he he was being uh, mean to them. Yeah. By dobbing on them and stuff. I don't know. Have you met like a politician who says all the right things and comes across as being really fake, but they just believe in what they're doing so much? That it's almost like they're naive. Yeah. And I wonder if he yeah. has that, because then he goes on to lead the state almost. And he would mm. have to believe what he was doing so much that he would, I think, come across as being fake. Yeah. It, it could have been There's like a Job too, fake, because Job was, Job was righteous in God's sight, yet he was still... He, he would still say things like, I haven't done anything wrong. And he was, it seemed as though he was either naive to his own pride, ignorant yep. to his own pride, or, um, or he was genuinely righteous. Um, and yep. the way that the Bible words things just kind of gets a little bit confusing. So I don't know if, if that was like that, but I wonder if any of Jacob's other sons, if they were in the same position, uh, if God would have been with them in the same way, because they were, of the line of Jacob. Maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe Reuben? I don't know. It seems as though from, from Judah's behavior that he wouldn't have been, uh, ended up in charge of Egypt. He wouldn't have done very good things with that, but I don't know. Uh, but what we do know is that similar to, uh, being with Potiphar, Joseph is put in charge of everything in the prison and the jailkeeper doesn't have to do anything. It's the dream! Do you imagine, uh, like I do, that Joseph has the jailer's keys and he's locking up all the other prisoners and then he goes inside his own cell and reaches through the bars and locks them and then throws the keys to the, the jailkeeper? Or is it is it is he inside the jail cell? Well, I do uh, now. Doing other things. Okay. <laughs> I suppose if somebody describes something to you, you tend to visualize it as it's being described. Yeah. Sorry. Um, that's how I've always pictured it. No, I've never thought about it like that. I just thought it was a big old room in a dungeon and they all just sat around and there was a big fat guy at the end with mm-hmm. not a gun, but their version of a gun. <laughs> a crossbow or something. Or um, a whip. Or a whip. Yep. Um... Okay, so chapter 40, uh, we are, <laughs> we're going to try and land the plane in, in Genesis uh, at the end of it, so we're going to try and uh, get through these pretty quick. So Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker committed uh, fences against Pharaoh, and they're thrown into Joseph's prison, and it says that this was sometime after Joseph was initially put there. Um, so by this stage, Joseph is already established as practically a free employee of the, uh, the jailer and uh, after some time of the cupbearer and the baker being there not immediately but after some time they both dreamed on the same night um, spooky 
Yeah, and th- so they both work. They both woke up troubled, and it seemed as though their spirits were disturbed. Um, and they say, "No one is here to interpret our dreams." So Joseph says, "Do not interpretations belong to God?" Which is interesting because his brother's interpretations of his dreams, or his own interpretations of his own dreams, didn't seem to be divinely inspired. However, they could have been. But I don't know. Or is he Just, saying uh, anyone can interpret them because they're not about people, they're about God, so you just have to learn how to hear God's voice? Yes, yes. See, then he says, please tell them to me. So that does imply that because he has the Spirit of God with him and on him, that he can interpret dreams. But people that do not cannot. Yeah, they cannot. Um because he, he's not he's not being audacious by saying tell them to me because I'm pretty much as good as God um, so then the cupbearer's dream is of three vines full of ripe grapes and he makes them into wine and then puts them in Pharaoh's hand in a, in a cup interpretation in three days time he'll be reinstated the baker's dream is three baskets of bread the birds are eating out of uh, Pharaoh's basket or the, the basket that will go to him. The interpretation is in three days, Pharaoh will... Uh, the way that Joseph says it is interesting, because with the cupbearer, he says, he'll lift up... Pharaoh will lift up your head and you'll be reinstated. And with the baker, at least in the ESV, he says, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree. It even interjects <laughs> that with a, a hyphen from you, exclamation mark, hyphen, and hang you on a tree. Yep. So it's like he's making a bit of a dark joke in the midst of that. And everyone um, else in the prison is like, ho, 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 ho. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear what Joe just said? Oh, man. That guy. That guy. Um, so three days later is Pharaoh's birthday. And he lays a feast before his servants. And then the cupbearer is reinstated. He's restored to his position. But the baker is hanged. As Joseph had correctly interpreted and prophesied. Yeah. Um, And Joseph had asked the cupbearer to put in a good word for him to Pharaoh. But the cupbearer conveniently forgot. Uh, So chapter 42 is Pharaoh's dreams. Two years later. Two years later. So this is two years after the cupbearer is back in the court of Pharaoh. Joseph's back to running the prison. Uh, Pharaoh has two dreams in the same night. The first is of seven fat cows coming up out of the Nile. And then they're eaten by, eaten by seven skinny cows that also came up out of the Nile. And the second dream is seven ears of good corn being swallowed up by seven ears of thin and poor corn. Um, and none of his magicians could interpret the dreams. Then, Classic magicians, only good I, for dogs. I feel like uh, if I were to make this this story here into a bit of a screenplay, that as Pharaoh says, bring me my magicians that they could interpret my dream, that the cupbearer would, maybe he would have a, a thoughtful face. And he'd think, oh, yep. that kind of reminds me of something or someone. And then he's thinking about it the whole time that his magicians are trying to interpret them and interpret the dreams and failing. And then at the end, he speaks up and says, if it pleases you, there was this dude in the prison that interpreted my dream and it came true. 
and I'm back in your court as a testament to that. So then Pharaoh sends for him, and uh, well, and he goes, shaved, so he must have had a sweet beard. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking he probably had long hair, a dungeon probably, beard, probably dreadlocks in a dungeon beard. That's awesome. Um, look, listeners, if you want to draw us a picture of Joseph with a dungeon beard, then please, by all <laughs> means, do that. That would be awesome. Um, draw a picture of him with a dungeon beard and dreadlocks taking care of other prisoners and running the show. Meanwhile, the jailer's in the back doing nothing except maybe playing the harmonica. Or instead even drawing him just doing a sweet guitar solo. We yeah. would like yeah. that too. That dungeon would be good beard too. guitar solo. Yeah, that, that works. Um, so then Joseph gets brought before Pharaoh after he shaves and puts on clean clothes because he probably stank like a something dead um, and then he interprets these two dreams Pharaoh's dreams mean there are seven years of plenty ahead seven years of famine before that Joseph does say it's not me that interprets it it's God so he is again uh, uh, stating that that same approach to things um, then Joseph proposes a storage plan during the years of plenty and it pleases Pharaoh and his servants so much uh, that Pharaoh says, Can we find a man of God like this, in whom is the Spirit of God? Isn't that crazy? That so, uh, is crazy. So Pharaoh acknowledges that Joseph is so in tune or close to God that it's a, it's a good thing. It isn't that it's a rival God from a rival nation or anything like that. He's saying, this guy has something special, and we need a man like him in the position... And then it ends up being Joseph yep. that, uh, that gets put in the position. And he's second in command of the entire kingdom of Egypt. Just like with Potiphar and the jailer, the king doesn't do anything because of how much Joseph is running the show. And it says yep. that he was 30 years old that time. And that's where my notes run out. So now Jeremy's going to take over uh, the, uh, the rest of the account. But um, on what he's done, like talking to power on yeah. behalf of God, and you watch all of the characters throughout the Old Testament who also do that, and mm-hmm. how they do it specific ways. And I think as we go through this, we should talk about how God leads people to talk to power. Because I think from what I've seen in Christianity most of my life, we're not very good at speaking to power because we do it really badly. Hmm. And so that's just like a hashtag. We need to look out for that as we go along. Um, then okay. he is put in charge of collecting all the food yeah. for the seven years of famine that is coming up. And hmm. it is in such abundance like the sand of the sea. And he stopped measuring it because it was beyond measure. So this is a ton of food. And it's probably going to have to feed a ton of people. And then he has two sons. And he names them pretty cool. One of them is Manasseh, which means God has made me forget all my hardship in my father's house. And his second son is called Ephraim, which means God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Mm -hmm. Which is pretty cool. And then... um, as the extreme hunger sets in in the famine, people start selling Egypt, their land, in exchange for food. So after a while, Egypt grows in land and then grows in 
slaves as well because people start selling themselves for food, um, mm. which gets dodgy later on when the leadership changes. Yeah. Um, but then the story goes from Egypt and then focuses on Joseph's brothers back in wherever they were, Canaan, maybe? Hebron. Hebron. Yeah. And it shows this narrative of them figuring out, whoa, there's grain in Egypt, let's go get it. And so they go down to get it, and Joseph figures out that it's his brothers. Mm-hmm. And so he, he hatches this like elaborate plan to get his youngest brother, Benjamin, to come. But to do that, he needs to <coughs> like gain their trust a little bit so that they do bring the younger brother back and so he accuses them of being spies and then they freak out and he's like all right i'll let you go if you leave one of your brothers here and go against the other brothers Mm -hmm. and um oh what happened then so at the stage at the stage when joseph's brothers come to egypt he's probably 37 years old or something like that so it has been oh yeah it's been 20 years since his brothers have seen him last and he was just a a young, probably skinny, uh, boy, and, uh... Skinny! What? I mean, okay, maybe, maybe not. He wasn't doing all the, the hard work out in the field, though, so... No, so that's, he was just sitting uh, around, putting weight on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And he was married, so he's got to put weight on. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he, he is now, and he's, he's in charge, and he's a position of power, so probably, um... So he probably his his appearance is probably a lot different. Plus, he's dressed in all the royal robes of of Egypt and everything. So there is no chance that uh, that his brothers could recognize him. Plus, his accents probably changed when he's yep. speaking the language to them um, because he's been in the land for twenty years. And uh, so, as as we said at the beginning, uh, Benjamin was probably only about ten years old when Joseph got sold into slavery. So he hasn't seen him in 20 years, and his brother is now 30. Yep. Um, So you can imagine how he must be feeling about Benjamin, especially since they were so close. They had the same... Both parents. Um, Yes, so we're at at that point. Sorry. Uh, What point are we at? (laughs) Uh... So he's hatching this plan to get all his brothers there at once, as well as his father, right? Oh, yeah. So So he he, sends them home with bags full of food, as well as the money that they paid for that food. So it starts freaking Mm -hmm. out the brothers. And then when they get back, they explain to their dad that they have to take all of the brothers. Yep. And the dad's like, hell no, you already saw that my good brother, my good son left in death. I'm not going to give you the other good son. (laughs) Oh, man. And Reuben's like, no, you can kill my sons if I don't bring him back to you. So Reuben's putting his family on the line, which is pretty epic. Reuben's 44 at this stage, by the way. Oh, that's a good age. Yeah. So he's he's getting into towards middle age, and his most of his livelihood would be uh, in in his his uh, his family. His yeah, sons. because he had to give up his basketball career because of his back, right? Yeah, yeah, his back, and he couldn't play football anymore because of his knee. So 
everything Those was days. he was living vicariously through his sons and and he said you know what my son's tennis career I'm I'm gonna let that dream die if Benjamin oh, does Benjamin doesn't. dreams that die um, and then they run out of food so they have to go back to Egypt to get more food yeah and they remember that they couldn't get more food until they bring the other brother mm-hmm. um, so then they do and Jude is back on the scene and he assures the father too that he will be cool with keeping him alive mm-hmm. and then they took double the gift because of the money that they were given back Yeah, just to yep. make sure that they're not named thieves mm-hmm. and then when Joseph sees his favourite brother come he's like he's undone he's undone that's the word for it mm-hmm. and he has to like hide his face all the time because he doesn't want them to see that he's crying and he like makes a sweet meal for them yeah and uh, so the, uh, the meal. yeah the, the, the big reveal and there's the big reveal. The and he still messes reveal. with them a little bit and asks creepy questions for a bit, but then he's just like, nah, I love you. Yeah. And it's yeah. me, and all my anger is gone. Yeah. And yeah. they drank and got intoxicated with Joseph. Classic brothers. <laughs> well, I don't know if there would be any, uh, any greater shock that their brothers could have had. Nope. They they've lived with the guilt of selling their own bl- their own brother into slavery for the last twenty years, and and even they knew that the Ishmaelites were headed towards Egypt, but Joseph could have been sold in any number of places on the way to Egypt, and then yep. maybe he wouldn't have even been sold in Egypt, let nope. alone sold to one of the most influential people in Egypt, and then put into the prison, then instated into. The, uh, the second highest position under yep. Pharaoh himself so they uh, they not only are, are shocked that it is Joseph alive they're shocked at where he is and who he is and I'm sure that night there would have been so much crying and if I cried reading about the reunion between Jacob and Esau then I, I would be an absolute blubbering mess if I were to witness a reunion like that. Yeah. So It would have been beautiful. Yes. Yes, it would have. Yep. And then yep. the dad comes as well. And they mm-hmm. all move into Egypt. Yes, which is... I, it's quite convenient for them. I mean, going from having no Joseph to suddenly Joseph and he has the choicest land in the entire country yep um, the entire kingdom then why wouldn't you and there's all this food there when there's oh there's a lot of food there so um by this stage Joseph's probably 40 or something um then I I I know I, I know I keep harping on about the ages but I just thought it was an interesting thing to keep that in mind because in all the things we, we see, even with the musical Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, in order to have him look like an impressive Egyptian official at the end, uh, Danny Osmond or whoever is, he is uh, 30-something 
at the beginning of it. So it looks like the whole thing takes no time at all. Yep. From being sold, being with Potiphar in jail, and then with Pharaoh. Whereas my understanding of this has been changed by the fact that it's taken 20 years of life-transforming events to bring them to the point where the whole of Jacob's family and possessions move into the land of Egypt and essentially establish the Hebrew people as a nation Yep. amidst other people. Even though, What do you think about them moving out of the promised land um, in order to do so? Uh, I think it was pretty stupid, mm-hmm. but because then they become slaves. I think if they had kept a distance between them and Egypt, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been as easy to enslave them when the leadership changed. Yeah, yeah. And if they kept like because Joseph was the head honcho, he could have just kept sending them food. Yeah. Yeah. But they would have been separate from the Egyptian nation. So that so, part of it is odd, especially when you get to Exodus. But yeah. do you think do you think Joseph refusing to give up his position and return to the land of Canaan led to the uh, the slavery problems? Do you do you think that Israel would have been better off if he had left his position? Maybe, or if his monopolization of the grain hadn't happened. Like, if there were still Mm. ways for the people to not be slaves, but still make, like, get food. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And I think that, and I don't know, I don't remember any parts of, like, Leviticus and Numbers that God was like, in famine, don't monopolize the grain so that people don't have to enslave themselves. Yeah. But there's got to be a principle somewhere in there that God would have set up. I think there was something like that where God said, don't let somebody enslave themselves uh, for indefinitely or something like that. Yeah. But if, if anybody out there knows the exact uh, verse and, and reference, then please tell us. Email yeah. us. Find us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And let us know. Um, so then the, uh, the last part here, they settle in the best part of the land in Goshen. Then Jacob blesses Joseph's kids, um, which is probably the greatest gift that any father could receive to receive. Well, to, uh, yeah, to have, to have your future line blessed, not just you, but to have it beyond your control that they are blessed. I think yep. is a that's a very beautiful thing to do, but then he blesses the rest of his actual sons, um, and as I as I predicted earlier, Simeon and Levi, when Jacob is blessing his sons, he says, "Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel. O my glory, be not joined to their company, for in their anger they killed men, and in their willfulness they hamstrung oxen." Wow, that'd be an interesting story to tell. Um, Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So Levi, interestingly enough, ends up becoming the priests, which is weird. Very Super weird. weird. Um, but then, then there is the whole thing with the golden calf and how the the priests have to go through the camp slaughtering everyone that refused to repent, yep. something like that. So. 
maybe that was how God tied that in. But then it ends up being that um, Simeon and Levi are some of the first of the tribes overtaken and, and whatnot. So they are uh, scattered and divided. Yep. Um, so then he blesses Judah and says, Your brothers will praise you. Uh, your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. And your father's sons shall bow down before you. So um, it's basically saying that Judah is going to be the leader, which is interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yes. Uh, with Reuben, it says that he is my might, my first fruits, my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power, unstable as water. Interesting. You shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defile it. You defiled it. You went up to my- Oh, that's right, because wasn't there something about Reuben um, sleeping with one of his father's concubines or something? Yep. Oh, yeah, weird. Classic so be- Reuben. Because of that, the mantle went on to Judah because Simeon and Levi, who were next in line, were the ones that killed all those people. So maybe if Reuben hadn't done that one thing, then Reuben would have been the tribe through which God worked everything. Whoa! Whoa! Okay. Mine. That's mine. ridiculous. Okay, so then Jacob is buried after he dies. Um, <laughs> and then it says. We that- didn't do this right! <laughs> Well, yeah, you could do them both at once. Um, and uh, then the Hebrew people, or the the tribe of the nation of Israel, is prosperous within Egypt. And then yeah. Joseph ends up dying. Um, and Joseph says something like, what does he say? I'm about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So he has this weird moment of prophecy on his deathbed where he says, even though I brought you here and it's been amazing for you, you have the choicest land and everything, I prophesy that God will deliver you from this land. He'll take you up out of Egypt as if Egypt was this bad place, which is curious. Um, and he will return you to your uh, to the promised land. And then he made the sons of Israel swear. So seemingly he died before some of his brothers, um, which makes a bit of sense considering they're only seven years apart, most of them, at most. Yep. Um, he made them swear that they would carry his bones out of Egypt. And it ends up being that in the Exodus. They do that. Sorry, spoilers. Um, so Joseph died at 110 years of age. Which means some of his brothers were potentially 116 years old. And they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Which means he was mummified. Boom. Crazy. Except his bones were taken out. Yeah. So they must have raided the pyramid. So... (laughs) Classic Tomb Raider. (laughs) With the start of all the games. But I'm just thinking, with, with mummification, they take the organs out of um, they take the organs out of a out of a person when they die 
What? So he wanted them to take the bones out too, so he was just skin and blood and muscle. It's pretty weird. Very weird. Pretty weird. And anyway, that is the, the end, end of, of Genesis. Genesis. Whoa, yeah. We made it. We, we really made did. it. Thank you so much for coming on this Genesis journey with us, everybody. Uh, this has been the Genesis season of Scripture. Yeah, Badly. everybody, it was fun. We have been your hosts, Ryan and Jeremy. And uh, we have writing that you can read, uh, some what? pieces that accompany this stuff and other... Uh, I think everyone other... just got home, so the internet's just going to crash. <laughs> um, okay. And soon we'll have a wrap-up party of Genesis, right? Yes, and that'll will. be so fun. Yeah, so send us in your questions that you want us answered uh, to answer if we missed anything, or if you have any thoughts that challenge what we believe, um, or if you want to send us a voicemail of, of some kind, you can email that to scriptureabadly at gmail.com or send it to us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and we will make sure that that is played on the air and we can answer your questions as we go in, in a Genesis recap or Genesis revisited which will be in the next few weeks keep an eye out for that and uh, beyond that it'll probably be a month or so before I am back from my honeymoon after getting married and we will uh, we'll continue with Exodus Right where we left off, except 400 years later. Yeah! Uh, my name is Ryan. You can read my writing at anotherunnecessaryblog.wordpress.com. And it's super good. And you can realize... No, you can't write mine, <laughs> but you can read mine at don'teattrash.com. And it is super good as well. And you know what else is super Thanks. good? The fact that you have listened lamb. to this in this entire season and Lamb. Lamb is also good. Mm. Um, so remember, everybody, continue to read your Bibles. Hopefully this has been uh, thought-provoking for you and uh, and at the very least entertaining. That's that's really what yeah, we want. Yeah, definitely. Um, and make sure you stay subscribed to us on your various podcasting channels and keep an eye out on social media for what we are going to be doing with exodus so yay uh thank you very much and thank you very much mm. all right with that we'll leave you goodbye everyone goodbye <laughs>